The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. guys welcome back to the tragedy of cinema's fourth anniversary that's right we've been coming to your earwaves for the last four years yeah and i've been there for half of them yeah half of them even though it seems a lot longer kyle well yeah um, you say your time with me feels like an eternity and right. i understand so uh we wanted to uh do something monumental um usually every year uh, on our anniversary we try to do something huge um, and it doesn't get much huger than this movie we're about to cover, um, the Titanic. Uh, I have had these notes printed out pff, probably for two years now. Um, it was originally my sister and uh, my good friend uh, Lori Morgan uh, West was going to come on here and do this with us. But as you can see, time just wasn't of the essence. And to be totally uh, transparent... Uh, Kyle and I had planned on doing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because uh, we've been talking about it for about <laughs> three months now. And uh, so the other day, we I stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning watching Harry Potter. And lo and behold, I said, well, Kyle, is this like your second year? And he's like, well, I think so. So he was going back through the old uh, footage. And uh, we had covered Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Stone for the, the third other. anniversary. So somewhere along the way... 
I don't know what happened, but I, I forgot about it. Kyle forgot about it until we started talking about it a little bit pieces, but I really do not remember doing that. The whole section of our lives, we were just like, what, that happened? We, we did yeah. that? The oh, Mandela okay. effect was in full effect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Kyle, before we get started, um, normally I would give you a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, being this is a movie that's very tough to talk about uh, because of the tragedy that did occur, um, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast each and every week. You've been... Uh, there, you've been consistent. Uh, you you help make this show what it is. And so I do pick on you at times, you know that, but I do consider you one of my good friends. And I, I appreciate everything you do for the podcast. So thanks for, for being there for the podcast. Well, so. Thank you, Jim. Well, uh, I echo a similar sentiment. I appreciate all the work you do and inviting me on. And it's a privilege to be on every... Um, well, we record every two weeks, but you know, <laughs> be on every week uh, on the on the, the release schedule, anyways. Okay, and it's a very nice experience. Well, that's enough of the sappy stuff. Now I can pick on him for another year. Yeah, so. <laughs> go back to our regular disdain for each other. So um, this is going to be a huge episode. Like I said, it's probably going to be broken down to at least two parts. Uh, it looks like I killed a forest with all the paper I wasted for this. Uh, the notes on this mm-hmm. There's just so much. It won so many awards. The cast is huge. All of them. <laughs> so. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and dive right into it. And then uh, along the way, probably at the end of this first episode, I will drop in uh, some of our friends uh, had sent us some uh, audio clips to put in congratulating us. So I'll throw those in at the end of part one. Uh, so here we go. Kyle, let's take away the epic Titanic. All right, Jimbo. I'm going to get right into it here. Um, there's a lot of information here. Um, I cut down a little bit, uh, mainly on the cast area, just because it's so long. So I'm going to go for the top three pages on the cast here to get through that. Top three and pages. The top three pages, yeah. And for the awards, I cut out all the nominations, but I'm still going to keep all the wins. It's an honor to be nominated, of course, but I want to count the wins here just for the brevity of the action. Otherwise, once again, we're going to be here all day with just me talking. And I know some people like Jimbo and hear him talk. I don't know why, but <laughs> I want to get through this part one so it's not just all me losing my airways. <laughs> so here we go, though. Titanic, released on December 19th, 1997. Directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron, produced by James Cameron and John Landau. Composer, the legendary James Horner. Cinematographer, Russell Carpenter. Editors, Conrad Buff and James Cameron and Richard Harris. Budget of this film is $200 million. I believe it was the most expensive movie of the time. If it isn't for inflation, that would be about $374.9 million today. Opening weekend, not the biggest opening weekend ever, for sure, at just grossing only $28.6 million. If just for inflation, that would be about $53.7. But gross for just the U.S. and Canada alone came up to $674 million total. And adjusting for inflation, that'd be about $1.25 billion. But here's where we get the huge, absolutely astounding money. Gross worldwide, $2.25 billion, with a B. $2.5 billion in 1997. Adjusting for inflation, that'd be worth about $4.2 billion today. Absolutely insane money. Uh, we actually Googled uh, James Cameron's net worth um, during the um, notes process of this film, and we were kidding. he's actually worth about $700 million today overall, almost a billionaire, just as a filmmaker. Which well, is, Avatar's still raking in money, so I'm sure oh, yeah, that, too, that, I mean, that will only so. grow over time, I'm sure. We have Avatar 3, 4, and 5, assuming those all get made in the, the schedule he's building for himself. But uh, yeah, absolutely insane rich for a man. Like Basically, it's him and George Lucas, maybe Steven Spielberg too, around that kind of... Oh, and George Lucas, I don't think it's top ten, but like there's still huge, you know, huge money for a director. Um, going here forward, we have a quick little plot summary of the film. 84 years after the Titanic sank, a 100-year-old woman named Rose DeWitt tells the story to her granddaughter and a crew of, uh, of explorers. The story about her life set on April 10th, 1912, on the ship called Titanic when young Rose boards the departing ship with upper-class passengers and her mother. Um, meanwhile, uh, with her mother and her fiance. Meanwhile, a drifter and artist named Jack Dawson and his best friend Fabrizio Fab, and DeRosa win a third-class ticket to a ship in, the, in a game. And she explains the whole story from the departure until the death of the Titanic on its first and last voyage on April 15th, 1912 at 2.20 a.m. Um, let's see here. I want to go through some of the technical details before we capture the awards here. Make sure I got them in the right spot. Up and up and up. Where'd I put them? I don't know. Thumb through your encyclopedia over there. See if you can find Yeah, I got them here. I, I promise. I got them here. Technical details here. Okay. Okay. I'm here. Okay. We have a runtime of 
194 minutes. So it's over three hours long there. Um, sound mix, Dolby Digital, DTS, and SDDS. Um, so you know, at the time, the, the absolute best, the best of the standard. This is a color film, of course, 1997. I'd hope so. Aspect ratio is 2.39 by one. Classic theatrical theatrical ratio. Very wide, very nice. Cameras uses were the Rflex 35.3, the Panavision Primo lenses, Panavision Panaflex Gold 2, the Panavision Primo lenses, and the Panavision Panaflex Platinum lenses, and the Panavision Primo lenses. Film length of the film is 10, re- 10 reels long, which comes about 5,426 meters in film length. And process for the film, they use a digital intermediate process for a 4K 2020, 2012 re-release of the film for, I believe, a limited release on theaters and for the Blu-ray remaster especially. Um, they also did a re- another remaster um, earlier this year for this 25th anniversary in February. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that in theaters, but hopefully they'll have a new 4K Blu-ray release sometime this year, I'm assuming. And they also used um, Super 35 Technoscope for underwater scenes. Um, we'll get to the notes later, but they actually developed a special camera apparatus so they can actually film underwater for those um, real-life Titanic scenes they actually filmed, which were um, absolutely stunning to see and on film. Um, okay, so that's uh, technical details on there. Um, country's international release dates, actually, um, the release date for America was December 19, 1997, but it actually had a very quick early release date at the Tokyo International Film Festival on November 1st, 1997. A little fun fact there. Then we have some other quick little fun facts. We have the filming dates of the film. This film was uh, uh, production began on July 31st of 1996 and it wrapped up on March 23rd, 1997. I believe that's about, uh, was that six months? Six, uh, or, or around, I think, yeah, under eight, I believe, um, or right about there. Um, let's see here. Filming locations actually include the, the, the actual Titanic wreck and Titan Canyon of the North Atlantic Ocean, um, Vancouver, British Columbia, and Canada. And Santa Clara, Santa Clara in California, the actual shooting locations of the film itself. And then we're going to move on here to the award section. This award section is huge. <laughs> Would you say as you might expect? Titanic size section. Yeah, yeah. A Goliath. What was the name of the other Titanic class ship? I can't remember the actual name. It's sister ship. I can't remember the name of it. That was the USS Enterprise. (laughs) USS Enterprise. (laughs) There there was a sister ship. I forgot the name of it, though. Um, This film won 11 Oscar awards and another 115 wins and 83 nominations. And I only stuck out the nominations, so we'll be going through a whole lot of awards here. All right, so I'm going to get into it now. 2021 for the Online Film and Television Associations, it was added to the Film Hall of Fame. It was also, the song was added to the Film Hall of Fame as well for My Heart Will Go On. We're going to hear a lot of the My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion being awarded in this whole award list here. Now in 2020, uh, in 2018 for the 2020 awards, the 20 cross 20 awards, it won Best Visual Effects and Best Sound Design. In 2017, it was added to the National Film Preservation Board. In 2012, uh, 2016, it was also... Uh, oh, I believe I already covered that one. Yes, it did. Sorry. Um, for the 2005 Satellite Awards, it won the Outstanding DVD Extras for its special collector's edition that was um, released that year. In 2004, it was given the Guinness World Record for most Oscars won by a film. Wow. Yeah, I don't see that being being anytime soon, unless it already has been being. <laughs> That's what you but did. So, yeah. yeah, I'm going to immediately kick myself for that one right there, see if I pay for it. In, 2000, in 2001, it won a Golden Camera Award for Best International Actress, where to Kate Winslet. In 1999, it also won the, um, the, um, the ASCAP Film and Television Music Awards for the most performed songs from motion picture. Um, mainly from James Horner, Will Jennings, and Celine Dion's for the song My Heart Will Go On. In 1999, it won the American Music Award for Top Soundtrack. Also in 99, it won the Favorite Song from a Movie for Celine Dion um, for the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. Blackbone Blockbuster was a thing. In 1999, the Brit Awards gave, it for be- gave it the award for Best Soundtrack, no doubt, for, once again, Celine Dion's song. And then for the Second Lions Award, it won the Best Box Office, Best Box Office Award. Then once again in 99, we have the Empire Awards where it won Best British Actress, awarded to Kate Winslet, and the Empire Award for Best Film. Next up, we have the Golden Screen Awards in Germany where it won the special award for more than 118 million admissions. Um, wow. 
18 million missions. So that's that presumably just the people that saw it in Germany, <laughs> which is an insane number. Um, next up, we have the Grammy Awards, where it won a Grammy for Record of the Year. Where does Celine Dion? Uh, in Best Female Vocal Best Best Female Pop Vocal Performance Award to Celine Dion, and for the song "My Heart Will Go On," it also won a Grammy for the Best Written Song, specifically for a motion picture or a television show. Award to James Horner, Will James for the writing of the song "My Heart Will Go On" by Celine Dion, performed by Celine Dion. Now we have the 1999 International Monitor Awards, where it won the Best Theater re- re- um, Release for Color Correction, awarded to James Cameron and David Bernstein. Next up, we have the Minechi Film Concurs, where it won the Best Foreign Language Film Award awarded to James Cameron, 99. Then we have the People's Choice Awards, 99, where it won the Favorite Dramatic Motion Picture and Favorite Motion Picture. Then, um, once again, at the ASCAP Awards in 1998, it won the Top Box Office Film Award to James, Cam- James Horner, uh, for their, uh, specifically for their music contributions. Next up, we have the Academy Awards, where we have all the Oscars it won. Excuse me. For the Oscars that won, it won Best Sound, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Effects, Sound Effects Editing, Best Effects and Visual Effects, Best Music and Original Song. And won the director the Oscar for Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Setup, Decoration, and Best Picture, and finally Best Music for an Original Dramatic Score. It was the, all the Oscars that won. It was also Kate Winslet was nominated for the actor for the nominated nominated for the role uh, the Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Next up, we have the 1998 Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, where it won Best Supporting Actress, where it's a Gloria Stewart. Then in '98, we have the Amanda Awards in Norway for Best Foreign Feature Film, where it's James Cameron. Then we have the American Cinema Editors, where it won Best Edited Feature Film. 98, we have the American Society of Cinematographers, where it won the Astounding Achievement in Cinematography in Theatrical Releases. Then, 1998, we have the Andy Awards, where it won the Andy Award for Best Individual Achievement or Technical Achievement. Next up, we have the Art Director, the Art Directors Guild, where it won the Award for Excellence in Production Design Award in a feature film. Then, we have the Awards of the Japanese Academy, where it won Best Foreign Film. Then we have the BMI Film and Television Awards, where it won the most performed songs from a film for the song My Heart Will Go On. Next up, we have the Blockbuster Awards again, where it won the Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favorite Actress in Drama, the words of Kate Winslet. Um, Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favorite Actor in a Drama, Leonardo DiCaprio. Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favorite Supporting Actress in a Drama, Kathy Bates. And the Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favorite Supporting Actor in a Drama, Billy Zane. Next up, we have the Blue Ribbon Awards, where it won the Best Foreign Language Film for the Blue, Awards, for the Blue Ribbon Awards. Next up, we have the, the Boji Awards in Germany, where it won the Boji Award in Titanium. Interesting word there right there. Next up, we have the Chicago Films Critics Association Awards, where it won Best Cinematography and Best Original Score. Then in the Cinema Audio Society in US of A, in 98, it won the Outstanding Achievement in Sound Mixing for a Feature Film Award. Next up, the Critics' Choice Awards in uh, 1998 won the award for Best Director to James Cameron. Then at the Dallas-Fort Worth Film Critics Association Awards, it won Best Director. Once again, awarded to James Cameron. And Best Cinematography awarded to Russell Carpenter. Next up, the 98 Directors Guild of America, it won the award for a standing directorial achievement in motion pictures. Next in the 1998 European Film Awards, it won the award for Best European Actress awarded to Kate Winslet. Then for the Florida Film Critics Circle Awards, it won Best Film. And then we get to the Golden Globes, where we have the win for Best Director, Best Original Song, Best Original Score, and Best Motion Picture in Drama. Clear throw for a moment. Then in 1998, we have the Golden Rooster Awards, where it won the Best Foreign Language Film. Then the Golden Screen Awards, we have the Golden Screen with one star, Golden Screen with three stars, and the Special Award for more than 15 million admissions, and a Golden Screen with two stars for the Golden Screen Awards in Germany. Um, I assume going by, just like you have so many admissions rewards going on there. Then we have the Hochi Film Awards, where it won Best Foreign Language Film. The Hollywood Film Awards, where it won the Hollywood Digital Award. Then we have the ICG Publicist Award, where it won the... um, Maxwell Weinberg Award for Motion Picture. Then for the Jupiter Awards in 98, we also have the Best International Film. 
Best International Director, both awarded to James Cameron, and Best International Actress, awarded to Kate Winslet. Then, in 98, we have the Kids' Choice Awards, where it won the Blimp Award for Favorite Movie. Then, in 98, for the Las Vegas Film Critics Society Awards, it won the Sierra Award for Best Picture, Best Original Song, um, for My Heart Will Go On, Best Director, and Best Cinematography. Next up, we have the MTV Plus TV Awards, where we have Best Male Performance going to Leonardo DiCaprio, and Best Movie um, for the MTV Movie Award right there. And I believe I have a fun fact I listed later down there that I'll make sure to mention as we go forward. <laughs> oh, wait, I found it right here. Um, this is the only film that was both um, nominated by the both won the Academy and MTV Award for Best Picture. Jimbo insisted <laughs> I get that one for the only I, movie I that found that both one. of them a, in there. definitely has to go. That's a good fun fact there, Jimbo. I appreciate it, too. Next up, we have the Mexican Cinema Journalist Awards, where it won the Silver Goddess Award for Best Foreign Film. Next up in the 1998 Motion Picture Sound Editors in the US of A, we have the Golden Reel Award for Best Sound Editing and for Sound Effects and Foley and Best Sound Editing for Dialogue and ADR. And we also have the Best Sound Editing for Music, Foreign and Domestic. Next up, we have the Online Film and Television Association, which has appeared multiple times now but for different years. This is for the 1998 Award. Um, we have Best Actress Award to Kate Winslet, Best Picture Award to James Cameron, Best Music and Original Dramatic Score were to James Horner. Best Film Editing were to James Cameron, Richard Harris, and Conrad Buff. Best Music and Original Song were to Will Jennings, James Horner, and Celine Dion. And Best Director were to James Cameron. Then we have the um, also Best Drama Actress were to Kate Winslet. Best Drama Picture were to James Cameron. Best Visual Effects were to Max Lasloff. And Best Costume Design were to Deborah L. Scott. Best Production Design was, um, awarded to Charles Dwight Lee. Best Cinematography related to Russell Carpenter. Best Sound Effects Editing awarded to um, Christopher Boys. Best Sound Mixing awarded to Gary Ridesworm. And that concludes the, uh, the Online Film and Television Awards from 1998. And then we have the 1998 Online Film Critics Society Awards where it won the second place of the Top 10 Films of the Year. Best Director, awarded James Cameron, and Best Supporting Actress, awarded to Gloria Stewart. Is there any awards they didn't win, Kyle? Uh, I, I mean, the, the 80-something nominations, yes. <laughs> 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 so... <laughs> It's, it's funny if you go by like like a hundred point percentage, you know, it's like oh they only scored a D for not winning all the awards. right. right. <laughs> they only got eighty out of the three thousand they were nominated so, for. Of the two hundred, you only got like one hundred and twenty. So really, like you just barely passed. You got a D minus. <laughs> but we don't want you in our in our class anymore, so we're just going to go ahead move you up a grade, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just throw that on James Cameron's tombstone. Just yeah. <laughs> he got a D minus on Titanic. <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. Um, next up, we have the PGA Awards, where it won the award for Outstanding Producer of a Theatrical Motion Picture Award to James Cameron and John Landau. Next up for the 1998 Satellite Awards, we want we have the award for Best Motion Picture, Best Film Medicine, Best Costume Design, Best Art Direction, and Best Original Song. Uh, for the song My Heart Will Go On, Best Original Score, and Best Director. Next up, we have the Screen Actors Guild Awards, where it won the Actors Award for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Supporting Role, awarded to Gloria Stewart, who was tied with Kim Bassinger for her role in L.A. Confidential. Huh. She and Bassinger were later photographed together with their trophies as Bassinger held a sign that reads, Tie Between Them. That's a fun little, <laughs> that's a fun little factoid right there. That I'm going to see if I can Google that somewhere. Uh, going forward, we have the um, 1997 Awards Circuit Community Awards, where it won the awards for Best Director, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Costume Design, Best Original Score, Best Visual Effects, Best Cinematography, and Best Art Direction. Moving forward, I am. <laughs> I still have a few pages left, guys. Don't worry. I'll get there eventually. Maybe we'll put some timestamps in there so they can just skip over when they get so bored of me talking about every single award they won. Because um, I want to get through this, but also don't want to drone on people too much. Um, next up, we have Kansas City Film Critics Circle Awards for Best Film, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Director. Now, for the 1997 Los Angeles Film Critics Association Awards, we have the Best Production Design Awards of Peter Lamont. Then, in 1997, we have the National Board of Review USA, where it was awarded the 
special citation to James Cameron for use of special effects technology. This was one of the first films that released a lot of CG and specifically to create um, real life imagery or something like that too. Like it wasn't like a Steven Spielberg's making dinosaurs, you know. Um, so that's kind of interesting fun fact right there. And it was also brought on for the top ten films that year. And that covers the awards for Titanic. Actually, I forgot the last few pages. Which <laughs> He's just like, I'm not even going to read so them. I got, I got through those. No, these are just the technical awards. Right oh, okay. The, the technical um, details. Right. Not, yeah, yeah not, not awards. I, I can't stop saying awards now because I've <laughs> three times. <laughs> All right. Okay, Jimbo, I got to move on to the cast. All right, Kyle, before you go to the cast, okay. I did a little. I'll let you catch your breath. For okay, a thank you. Thank first, you. So Take a drink. Get a drink. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... I did something that I usually don't normally do. Maybe we'll start doing a little bit more of it in the future. But I went and took one of the actors or actresses from this movie and did just a little short biography on them. Uh, so I chose Kate Winslet. Uh, so here's a little little stuff about her. So she was born on October 5th, 1975 in Reading, Berkshire, England. Uh, she scored her first commercial dancing opposite the Honey Monster for her sugar puffs at age 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, some fam- yeah. some yeah. famous roles are, of course, Titanic and Sense and Sensibility. She turned down roles in Shakespeare and Love and also Anna and the King. Kyle, she was offered the role of Eowyn in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers in 2002. Eowyn? That's incredible. I've never totally seen it. Yeah. I don't know why she turned it down. That was a huge movie. That's probably uh, why. Because it was so a huge movie. <laughs> here's some of the quotes that I found from her. So she's quoted as saying, there's more to life than cheekbones. <laughs> no, there isn't. That's a lie. <laughs> uh, she also said, mum and dad uh, were very much uh, friends and up, and up to life. There was no anxiety for anything when I was growing up. They just taught me to be me. Uh, she also said, life is short and is uh, here to be lived. And she also said, loving someone is setting them free and letting them go, which... If you watch the end of this movie, she sure did let him go, didn't she? <laughs> she said he free. Um, and last but not least, I found that her salary for the movie Titanic was she got paid two million dollars. Two so, million dollars. Yeah. Kyle, you want to take the rest of the cast? For as extreme as that role is, I'm sure two million dollars is actually well earned. They worked right. very hard on this film. And it says a lot that Kate Winslet wasn't willing to do the work of James Cameron again until the recent Avatar film. <laughs> but we'll get into that later in the future notes, I'm sure. Um, yes, once again, starting with the cast of Titanic. I'm just going to do the top three pages here because although, like, you know, because this reflects a real-life event, they actually went to the... the um, the work of making sure, like, basically every actor on stage kind of corresponds to a real-life person who actually died in that tragedy, um, which is a lot to cover. Um, so I'm going to try and trim that down a little bit for time's sake on this part. But I'm going to start here with the um, the actors in the film. We're going to start worse with Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet was also in... Um, Kate Winslet, of course, playing the role of Rose DeWitt. Um, Kate Winslet was also in the films Eternal Sunshine and The Spotless Mind, 2004. And once again, um, um, reworked with James Cameron in Avatar The Way of Water just last year, here in 2022. Next up, we have Leonardo DiCaprio playing the role of Jack Dawson. Leonardo DiCaprio was also in the films Inception in 2010, The Wolf of Wall Street in 2013, and The Revenant in 2015. Kyle, what is your top two favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies? Go. Uh, uh, top top two. Top two. Oh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Wolf of Wall Street. No Django Unchained? Django Unchained's great, but he's also like... <laughs> one, he's not the main character in that film. Right. And two, saying I liked him specifically for that role feel a little weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I thought he was pretty good. My favorite, my favorite film is the film where he says the N-word a lot. Uh, <laughs> Catch Me If You Can was pretty good. Catch Me If You Can is great. Shutter Island. It's one of my top Tom Hanks films, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shutter Island, though. Oh, Shutter Island, I feel... No, nah, I'm not strong about it, actually. I didn't really enjoy it as much. Wasn't yeah. he in, like, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, too? Yeah, yeah. That was an early film, I believe, with... Uh, was it Johnny Depp as well? So. Johnny Depp, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and he plays a young child who, um, I believe, has some developmental issues. Um, if I remember. I've never actually watched the film. I've only had, like, summaries of it, so I've never actually watched it myself. Um, but I'm going to move on to the cast here while Jimbo looks it up real quick. Yeah, Next right. up, we have Billy Zane playing the character of Hockley. Billy Zane was also in the films The Phantom in 1996 and Tombstone in 1993. Um, uh, Tombstone. Oh, what, that's a great other um, uh, Bill Paxton film. Uh, if I remember, he's in that. Um, next up, we have Kathy Bates playing the character of Molly Brown. Kathy Bates was also in the films Misery in 1990, Fried Green Tomatoes in 1991, and The Waterboy in 1998. <laughs> Bobby Boucher. <laughs> 
Love my mama. It's a good film. We gotta cover that film sometime. No. <laughs> light hearts. Oh, the Water Boy's great. Don't you don't you deny it. <laughs> Next up, we have Francis Fisher playing the character of Ruth DeWitt. Um, Ruth, um, Francis was also in the films Unforgiven in 1992 and The Lincoln Lawyer in 2011. Love that film, Lincoln Lawyer. That's a Matthew McConaughey film. Excellent film. Next up, we have the character. Um, we have the actress Gloria Stewart playing the character of Old Rose. Gloria Stewart was a legendary actress in her time. She also um, was in the films The Invisible Man in 1933 and The Old Dark House in 1932. Bill Paxton plays the character of Brock Lovett. Uh, Bill Paxton was also in the films Aliens in 1986, along with you know, um, directed by James Cameron. He was also in the films Twister in 1996, and he was in the film Edge of Tomorrow in 2014. Edge of Tomorrow might be one of my favorite Bill Paxton small roles. <laughs> I always liked him in Frailty. Edge of Tomorrow is so good. There's just a funny joke here where like he's like, you're, like Tom Cruise looks at him like, you're American, right? He's like, no, sir. I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> just <laughs> captured so much of his character in an immediate way that I just I couldn't help and endear himself to me. Um, so excellent role right there. Next up we have Bernard Hill. Bernard Hill playing the character of Captain Smith. Bernard Hill was also in the films Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King in 2003, and The Ghost in the Darkness. Next up, we have David Warner playing the character of Spicer, Spicer Lovejoy. Not Sp- I was going to say Spicy Lovejoy. That's a different character. I was going to say Spice Girl. <laughs> yeah, Spice Girl. <laughs> David Warner. Um, David- tell him what he wants, what he really, really wants. wants. <laughs> <laughs> he wants a little respect. <laughs> uh, David Warner was also in the films uh, Star Trek VI. Uh, VI, that's six, right? Yeah, six. The Undiscovered Country, one of the better Star Trek films, in my opinion. And- the one with the wells in space. <laughs> no, no, that's one where the... Um, the uh, Klingons have like a, uh, their own little mini uh, what's it, nuclear disaster, and they have to uh, sign a peace treaty with uh, the, the Federation. Um, he was also in the film The Omen in 1976. Oh, Chernobyl! That's something like that. In Undiscovered Country. The Klingons suffer like essentially a, their own kind of Chernobyl, and it forces them to make a peace treaty with the Federation or risk the desolation of their entire people. That's not the one with the wells. No, the um, that was uh, I forget the name of that one now. Um, I'll look it up. I'll look it up after we done the cast. Um, that's not the one with the cows. That's not the one with the, the space whales, though. Although that was recent, that was mostly recent. That was mentioned in the most one of the most recent Star Trek Picard episodes that I really liked. Okay, going forward, um, we have Victor Garber playing the character of four, Thomas. Uh, that was the four, Voyage Home. The Voyage Home. Yep, that was one with the whales. Yeah. Next up, we have Victor Garber playing the character of Thomas Andrews. Victor Garber was also in the film Arco in 2012. Next up, we have Jonathan Hyde playing Bruce Ismay. Jonathan Hyde was also in the films Anaconda in 1997 with Ice Cube. Yeah! Anaconda. What a film. What a film. Not worth going back to. (laughs) Oh, but we'll have to cover it because it's probably better than Waterboy. I wouldn't put in the thousand movies I'd watch before I die. And I understand Waterboy is. But you already have. Oh, yes, 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 I already have. It's it's too late. But in fear, I have more than a thousand movies. It's true. <laughs> I, allow, I have enough movies to allow my standards to go lower and lower and lower as I go. Um, uh, okay, so I was trying to hide. Next up, we have uh, Susie Amos playing the character of Lizzie Calvert. Susie Amos was also in the films The Usual Suspects in 1995. I just bought that movie last week on Voodoo. I'm actually excited to watch it sometime. Um, that was a well before and well, granted his career's taking a downturn for very good reasons. But Kevin Spacey film, I believe. <laughs> Uh, me to watch some time. Next up, we have Louis Abernathy playing the character of Louis Bodine. Louis Abernathy was also in the film Deep Star Six in nineteen eighty seven in nineteen eighty nine. Next up, we have Nicholas um, Cascone playing the character of Bobby Boole. Nicholas Cascone was also in the film Baby Boom in nineteen eighty seven. Next up, we have Antonio M. Saljevic. 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 Okay, playing the character of Antonio Mikovic. Um, um, Antoni and, and Anatoly was also in the film Ghosts of the Abyss in 2003. Next up, we have Danny Nucci playing the character of um, Fab, Fab, Fabrizio. Um, Fabrizio. 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 I, I, Flavio. <laughs> I, it's a cruelty, my pronunciation sometimes. Danny Nucci was also in the film's Crimson Tide in 1995. Next up, we have Jason Berry playing the character of Tommy Ryan. Jason Berry was also, um, um, most recently, um, as far as the credits go, was in the video game 
Call of Duty Infinite Warfare in 2016. I did not read that when I was checking my notes last time, but that's right. It's Call of Duty Infinite Warfare 2016, which I contest was a very good game, and fans were not um, receptive to that for bad reasons. Um, next up, we have Ewan Stewart playing the first officer, Murdoch. Ian Stewart was also in the film Valhalla Rising in 2009. Next up, we have Lone Grufford playing Lone Grufford playing the role of Frith Officer Lau. Uh, um, Lone Grufford was also in the film Fantastic Four, the 2005 version. Terrible version. That's the better version to the Fan Four stick, right? But it's still <laughs> terrible. I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. I just want a, I just want a good Fantastic Four film. I really liked um, Rise of the Silver Surfer. I think that was a good correction in the right direction, and I'm interested to see what Marvel does with it in the future. I think when they just had John Krasinski as Reed Richards in the Spider-Man movie. No, no, not Spider-Man. I uh, didn't like that at all. I don't like John Krasinski, but that's just me. Okay. I need to do a real talk. Please send your resumes to the tragedy cinema gmail.com. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, I don't I don't hate John Krasinski. I just don't think he's a good Reed Richards. He's the perfect Reed Richards. Think, no, he's not. Uh, a discussion for another time when they do a Marvel movie in like five years about Fantastic Four. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, Fantastic Four. Okay, that's where I was at. Okay, Johnny Phillips played the character of Saint of uh, Second Officer Light Toller. Johnny Phillips was also in the film Bronson in 2008. Next up, we have Mark Lindsay Chapman playing the role of Chief Officer Wild. Mark Lindsay Chapman was also in the film The Langoliers in 1995. Stephen King miniseries. Ah, never watched it. Um, Richard Graham played the role of Quartermaster Rowe, the uh, man that arrested Jack Dawson when he was accused of a crime. Um, Richard Graham was also in the film Vera Drake in 2004. Some of these might be TV shows, by the way. I just don't know, typically offhand, because only um, when IMD lists them, they just list them as a one acting credit. So it's like, oh, this is the year that first season came out, and not like how long the show went on, or even if it was a show. So I might mess that up as the um, credits go right down here. Anyways, moving forward, we have Paul Brightwell playing the character of Quartermaster Hitchens. Paul Brightwell was also in the film Kingdom of Heaven in 2005. Yeah, I believe it was a Ridley Scott film, if I remember correctly. Uh, maybe off here. Because I remember that director's cup was supposed to be really good or something like that. <laughs> Next up, we have Ron Denacci playing the role of Master at Arms. Ron Denacci was also in the film Max Manus, Man of War, in 2008. Then we have Eric Braden playing the role of John Jacob Astor. <laughs> I thought he was going to say John Jacob. Jingleheimersman. Your name is my name, too. Um, Eric was also in the film <laughs> The Young and the Restless in 1973. That is a TV show. It's a soap opera, yeah. Kyle. Thank you, Jimbo, for the correction. Charlotte Shatton was also playing the role of Madeline Astier. Um, Charlotte was also in the film Woman in the White Buffalo just last year in 2022. And uh, just so you know that Eric Braden that you were talking about mm-hmm. plays Victor Newman on The Young and the Restless. He's been playing that character for like... Since before I was born. That's incredible. Good Thank you. Me. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks, and Grandma. This is... Both of them. <laughs> okay. I've not, not covered this page yet. Good. All right. Make sure I'm not going through the same thing again. Because I've done that before. Next up, we have Bernard Fox playing the role of Colonel um, Archibald Gracie. Bernard Fox is also in the film The Mummy in 1999 with Brendan Fraser. Excellent film. Perhaps Brendan Fraser's best film I'll ever make. Next up, we have Michael Ensign playing the role of Benjamin Gungenheim. Uh, Michael Ensign was also in the film Ghostbusters in 1984 with Bill Murray and uh, Murray? Ac- Bill, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. There we go. <laughs> Bill Murray. The tongues are twisted, Jimbo. The tongues are twisted. Next up, we have Fanny Brett playing the role of Madame Abbott. Fanny Brett was also in the film Distant Vision in 2016. Next up, we have Jeanette Goldstein playing the role of Irish Mommy. Um, and Jeanette Goldstein was also in the film Aliens in 1986, along with, you know, directed by James Cameron once again. <laughs> Next up, we have Camilla Overby Roos playing the role of Helga Dahl. Camilla was also in the film Under the Influence in 2002. Next up, we have Linda Kearns playing the role of Third Class Woman. Linda Ker- Third Class Woman, yeah, to make, I'm, okay, because it's a third class ticket holder in the ship. <laughs> Just... It's like being cast as like, you are ugly person number two. It's like, I'm not ugly enough for number one. No, you're too ugly for number one. It feels like an insult in the casting. Um, she was, Linda Kearns is also in the film Rat Race in 2001. Um, next up, we have Amy Gampi, uh, a- Amy Goppy playing the role of Trudy Bolt. Amy was also in the film Whiskey Kills the Hunger in 2018. Next up, we have Martin Jarvis playing the role of Sir Duff Gordon. Martin Jarvis is also in the film Wreck-It Ralph in 2012, animated film. 
Next up, we have Rosalind Ayers playing the role of Lady Duff Gordon. Rosalind Ayers was also in the video game Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception in 2001. 2011, sorry, not 2001. 2001 would be way too early. <laughs> 2011 for Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception. Um, next up, we have Rochelle Rose playing the role of Countess of Ruthers. Um, Rochelle Rose was also, and I believe in that's, well, this is either a TV show or a movie, but Liz and Dick in 2012. I don't know if that's a movie or a TV show. Next up, we have Jonathan Evan Jones playing the role of Wallace Hartley. Jonathan Evan Jones was also in the film The Incredible Hulk in 2008. And next up, we have Brian Walsh playing the role of Irishman. Brian Walsh was also in the film The Gaelic Curse in 2016. Next up, we have Rocky Taylor playing the role of Burt Cartmel. Rocky Taylor was also in the 007 film Skyfall in 2012. Next up, we have Alex Owen Sarno playing the role of Cora Cartmel. Alex Owen Sarno was also in the film Karma in, in well, it doesn't have a year of voting on that one. That's interesting. It actually has just two eyes, which would be the number two. The year two. <laughs> the year two. Or it came 11. out in the year two. 11. Two years after Jesus died, they made this film and she was in it. <laughs> Moving on. We have Simon Crane playing the role of fourth officer Boxhall. Simon Crane was also in the film Rogue One, a Star Wars story in 2016. Perhaps one of the best horror films after Disney's acquisition of the franchise. Next up, we have Edward Fletcher playing the role of 6th Mo- Officer Moody. Edward Fletcher was also in the film Little Woman in 2019. Next up, we have Scott Anderson playing Frederick Fleet. As Scott G. Anderson listed in the credit, but Scott Anderson was also in the film They Can Scene 2, The First Cut in 2018. Next up, we have Martin East playing Lookout Lee. Martin East was also in the film Koopa Koopa, with no year listed for the film's release. And lastly, here for what I'm going to do in the cast list, for the sake of brevity, we have Greg Kelly playing Harold Bride. Craig Kelly was also in the film The Young Americans in 1993. And that concludes me listing off the credits I'm capable of while still maintaining the voice. So, Jimbo, we are finally ready to take on trivia for the. <laughs> there is there's a, a ton, so fasten your seatbelts. Um, and w- whenever we cover a movie that is this uh, big and epic, there's just. Um, and it's based off on a true life situation. There is just so much information that when you go through the notes, it dives between real life and the movie. Uh, so some of the stuff we'll talk about happened in real life. Some of the stuff was made up for the movie. Uh, some of it's from the survivors. Some of it's from who, yeah. who wanted and to it, play who. It, it, and it's just a lot. Yeah, and it has almost an infinite depth to it. I mean, there's whole historians devoting their entire lives just to the history of Titanic. So, like, you know, if you, if you want to dive deeper, you absolutely can pass this probably. There's no way we're going to cover... Yeah, even like, you know, we are skimming the tops of an ocean, essentially. So what Kyle you know. was saying is, everybody hit play on their DVD player or uh, streaming service, and we're going to actually watch the movie and talk about it as it's playing, like <laughs> Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. But it's like, He's it's like, like, no. No, <laughs> not no that's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. All right, so are you ready? I'm ready, Jimbo. Let's go for it. And I did give Kyle a bunch of these notes, too, but I think mine's a phone book and his is like a magazine, so <laughs> here we go. Um... Obviously, the if you don't know what the Titanic was, for some of the younger listeners, it was uh, a tragedy that happened as the ship left um, over from England, I do believe. Was it England or Ireland? I believe it was England. And it uh, hit an iceberg and sank in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean uh, before it got to New York. So uh, here we go. The elderly couple seen hugging on the bed while water floods the room uh, were the owners of Macy's Department Store in New York, Ida and... Isidore Strauss, both of whom died on the Titanic. Ida was offered a seat on a lifeboat but refused so that she could stay with her husband saying, As we have lived together, so shall we die together. There was a scene filmed that depicted this moment but was cut from the final version. It was Mrs. Strauss who originally said, Where you go, I go, that inspired Rose's same line in this film. Mm -hmm. So just a lot of different tragic uh, deaths on this, especially children, uh, husbands and wife, elderly, uh, lower class. So it's just, yeah, heartbreaking. It's, yeah, and it's, it's it's no surprise at all, just because the enormity amount of people that were involved in this and terrible accident that James Cameron was able to craft a story kind of based off the inspiration of those two real life people and um, craft a, an amazing movie that kind of preserves their memory in many respects. Right. So yeah, um, the Titanic also had two sister ships that will probably be mentioned later in the notes here, including the Olympic, which was um, christened in 1911, and the Britannic, which was christened in 1914. All ships were designed to be the largest and most luxurious passenger ships at their time, designed to give a white star as an advantage of the tri- tri- transatlantic passenger trade. 
<laughs> After finding out uh, that she had to be naked in front of Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet decided to break the ice, and when they first met, she flashed him. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's get this out of the way. Uh, the scene set in 1912, the whole movie except the present day scenes, obviously, and the opening and ending credits have a total length of two hours and 40 minutes, the exact time it took the Titanic to sink. Roughly. That is crazy. Yeah. Also, the collision with the iceberg reportedly lasted 37 seconds, which is how long the collision scene is in, in the movie. Once again, that preservation of accuracy for the entire, James, for the entire film. James Cameron was uh, absolutely obsessed with capturing the um, authenticity of the sets and the moments themselves as they occurred in that Titanic and it shows in the final film. Absolutely incredible. Uh, when Jack is preparing to draw Rose, he says they're over on the bed, the couch. The line was scripted, lie on that couch, but Leonardo DiCaprio made an uh, honest mistake and James Cameron liked it so much he kept it in. <laughs> I, I'd imagine I'd be a little, yeah, uh, <laughs> flush over, or two. Over on the bed. I mean the couch. Excuse me, Kate Winslet. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the scene where the water comes crashing into the grand staircase room, the filmmakers had only one shot at it because the entire set and furnishings furnishings were going to be destroyed in that one shot. Oh my gosh, yeah. You gotta get it right then and there. Um, of the seven actors who portrayed the ship's officers in the film, Edward Fletcher, who starred as the sixth officer Moody, was the only one of the group who wasn't of British origin. He was born in Massachusetts, America. So, huh. interesting fun fact there. Uh, the hand scene sketching Rose are not Leonardo DiCaprio's, but do you know who they are? Do you know who actually drew Rose? I actually do know, Jimbo. They are James Cameron's James hands. Cameron himself. In post-production, Cameron, who is left-handed, mirror imaged the sketching shots so the artist would be appear to be right-handed like DiCaprio. Uh, the scene in which Rose meets Jack to thank him for saving her life was improvised by the two actors at James Cameron's request, and the splitting or spitting scene was almost all ad-libbed. Cameron also credits Kate Winslet with writing the heart-wrenching This Is Where We First Met line during the final sinking, as well as suggested Rose spit in Cal's face rather than a scripted jab him with a hairpin. According to Zane, they had to do so many retakes, he sort of went numb, being spit in the face, and Winslet started using lube because her saliva ran out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I did... Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Usually got can you imagine just being the idea to spit on like hundreds of things? <laughs> I don't. Uh, you know what this means, right, Kyle? I get to spit in your face at least one time each, each time we record the podcast. You know, one man's nightmare is another man's dreams, I guess. <laughs> you know, how often do you want to be spit on by Quentin Lynch? <laughs> she runs outside, well, she's loop, and some guy goes, yes, and the guy goes, that's the most disgusting thing in the world. <laughs> uh, okay, i got to cover one of myself now. i got to cover a fact of myself, just get off my head off it. Um, well, i got more about the spit in here later. Oh, so. thank you, thank you, Jim. I'm, I look forward to him so, so, so dearly. Um, despite being either minor, despite being minor characters or extras, Helga, the Norwegian third-class girl, her family, and Jack's roommates, a Chinese ponytailed man, and a young girl named Cora, and her parents, and an Irish mother of her two children are seen several times in the film, especially during the Saturday night party and the sinking of the ship. Many of these scenes of characters have been filmed, but most of the subplots were deleted from the final cut of themselves. So they have entire little sub-stories of basically everyone that Jack Dawson was kind of with in those initial crews. Um, and it could be like a nine-hour movie. Oh, probably, uh, maybe not nine hours, but I, I bet there's a five-hour cut of that oh, somewhere least. out there that James Cameron keeps in a vault. <laughs> Due to the long theatrical run of this movie, Paramount had to send out replacement reels to theaters that had literally worn out their copies. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, old Rose says, it's been 84 years, which would actually make her 101 years old and in the year of 1996, when she tells her story a year prior to the movie's release. This means that she would have been 17 years old in 1912, and despite this, she was still served alcohol at the sip at the time. Legal drinking age was... 18. So uh, she underage drinking, apparently. But I guess they didn't factor in, like, oh, the movie's going to release a year later. She actually needs to say 85 years ago instead of 84. But fun fact over there. Uh, reportedly, James Cameron spoke to and personally provided each of the extras, at least 150 of them, with names and backstories of Titanic passengers. And I do believe there's that place in Gatlinburg that you can go to where you get on the, ti- uh, go the on Titanic there. and you get the thing that says if you lived or died at the end or whatever. You, mm-hmm. know what I mean? you I, say I, you've been on there? I, I, I've done that whole museum tour before. It's actually really it. awesome. It, it was great at the time. Um, of course, that was probably 15 years ago now, so <laughs> if not more. Yeah. Um, in Titanic's early development, James Cameron had River Phoenix in mind for the role of Jack Dawson. But in October of 1993, River Phoenix unfortunately passed away in Johnny Depp's club in Los Angeles. So when it came time to make Titanic, Leonardo DiCaprio came of age. 
Ironically, Johnny Depp was also offered the role too, but he had turned it down. Yep. Uh, James Cameron went on the dives to the real Titanic himself and found it an overwhelming emotional experience to actually see it. He ended up spending more time with the ship than its living passengers did. He's effectively made it a portion of his whole life. You look at the pie chart of James Cameron's life, there's probably like a decade there that's just him at doing least. Titanic research um, to this day even. Um, like probably multiple decades at this point, 20 years probably at least of him like really fixating on it. Yeah, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet have both admitted that they were embarrassed by their performances in this film. Winslet thought her American accent sounded horrible and that her acting could have been better, while DiCaprio thought he looked like a young punk in this film. And uh, uh, that's really harsh on themselves. But, you know, of course, actors, I'm sure, could easily be their best, um, their worst self-critics in many respects. Uh, James Cameron instructed the actors playing the officers to keep order amongst the extras in the uh, sinking scenes. Johnny Phillips ad-libbed the moment when he whips around with a gun and shouts, Keep back or I'll shoot you all like dogs. After the take, James Cameron ran up to him and told him it was great and to do it again. And Phillips asked, What did I say? (laughs) Having been too caught up in the moment to realize what he was doing. (laughs) Uh, The film was released on VHS in the U.S. on September 1st, 1998, while it was still playing in the theaters. The weekend after the VHS was released, it could still be seen in 447 theaters in North America. Oh, wow. That's, that's talking about kind of a world kind of thing. That we, we don't have that anymore because some movies go straight to... Well, uh, movies go straight to streaming now, even though they're still in theaters. But, like, most of the time, those theaters have to clear up for the next film almost immediately. So, like, they only get, like, you know, max maybe three months before they're kind of kicked out. So, it's kind of unusual for the time now. Yeah, we don't live in that area anymore. Um... The male third-class passenger seen getting his beard checked for lice when Rose, Cal, and Ruth boards the Titanic is director James Cameron. He also plays the, back ble- the black-bearded third-class passenger wearing a bowler hat when Jack and Fab and Fabrizio look for their stateroom. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, most of the stuntmen in the engine room scenes were only about five feet tall to make the engine room look a lot bigger. It's <laughs> working with what you got. I appreciate at, that. Hey, at $200 million, this movie costs more than the Titanic itself. I think that yeah. is crazy. Yeah, even like adjusting for inflation in the past, it, like it costs more than the actual construction of the Titanic. That is crazy. That is insane money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the third film by the Titanic made by 20th Century Fox. Following the cavalcade, uh, the cavalcade in 1933, and then known as Fox Film, then the Titanic in 1953. So it's yeah. So they made a, you know a film about it 20 years afterwards, and then a film 40 years afterwards, and uh, 50 years afterwards because 1912. It was, yeah, took 10 and then 40. Crazy. Yeah, and this is a film that came place you know uh, 80 years after. Uh, the film contains over 100 speaking parts and over a thousand extras, all of whom needed to be dressed in lavish period costumes. Absolutely! Wow, it's yeah, yeah. The 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 um, organization that needs to bring all that together absolutely insane, especially for the time. Once again, um, this is the only Best Picture nominee that year not for that year not to be nominated for any of the writing categories. This is a contrast to the 1953 version of Titanic, which won only one Oscar for Best Screenplay Adaptation. Interesting. Uh, when James Cameron decided to include real footage of the Titanic's remains on the seabed, he did not want to simply shoot from inside the submersible as he had done for the IMAX documentary Titanic, Titanica in 1992. To allow filming from outside the sub, Cameron's brother Mike Cameron and Panavision developed a deep-sea camera system capable of withstanding the 400 atmospheres or 5878.38 PSI of pressure at that depth. Pounds per square inch. Yep, so Kyle and I had just talked about earlier, if uh, I asked Kyle, Kyle, if, if it didn't, uh, if you could afford it um, and you had time, would you actually want to go down and dive and see the actual wreckage of the Titanic? And Kyle, you said? I said no. He said no way, Jose. Uh, as, as much as I'm sure that would be an amazing experience and more than likely safe enough to do, um, the depths of the ocean is kind of a something that I never fully trust, and I think very reasonably so for having that much, you know, pounds per square inch of pressure just trying to crush you, not even to pulp beyond pulp to literally nothingness to a degree. Um, that is something that would just absolutely terrify me while trying to go dab- down in there. Um, people who even go and you know serve on submarines it blows my mind that they could do that. For me, that the idea of surviving that kind of pressurized environment. Nope, no way. <laughs> um, but Jimbo, how did you feel about it? I think I would. You think you would? I, I mean, it would be scary, but just to just to say, I actually was one of the ones that actually saw the Titanic with my own eyes, not through mm-hmm. film. 
It'd be an amazing, amazing thing. I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I believe it'd be worthwhile experience if you're willing to do it. But for me, it's just that. That's just. I, I think I'd be a little too afraid to actually, you know, go in that kind of environment. <laughs> you know, this is like that's not even a roller coaster. That's just a real life thing. We're just like you were underwater that deep. Like no, <laughs> no. <Nuh-uh. laughs> uh, approximately 120 tons of water, triple what had been initially planned, uh, were released for Eric Braden's final scene, who plays Victor Newman and uh, Young and the Restless. Uh, Braden said that he had never been more terrified in his life than when he was preparing for it, and there was obviously no possible physical rehearsal. Jeez, yeah, I'm sure that filming itself would have been terrifying too. And um, this is the first Best Picture winner to also win both sound categories, specifically Best Sound and Best Sound Effects at the Academy Awards. First film ever. Uh, when the scene uh, where a wall of water burst through a doorway uh, was first shot, James Cameron said that the 40,000 gallons of water dumped into the corridor set were not enough and asked for triple that amount. The set had to be rebuilt to stand up on uh, the additional weight of the water being added. Jeez. Uh, the post-sinking scenes were shot in a 350,000-gallon tank where the frozen corpses were created by applying a uh, powder on the actors that looked crystallized when exposed to water, and wax was applied to her uh, to their hair and clothes to create a wet look. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. And she's, once again, like, I, I feel like... I feel like part of what makes James Cameron so amazing is that he's willing to do the research and development to make entirely new forms of filmmaking and prosthetic makeup to actually make the visions he wants to see that are then spread throughout the entire industry. Like, that alone makes his legacy so profound. I say legacy, he's not dead yet, obviously. But still, to this day, like, you know, the willingness to go out there and be like, okay, I'm going to take all the studio's money and I'm going to spend a billion dollars just making new stuff for the entire industry. Absolutely incredible. You know, that's the, the real pioneering in his sense. This was number one at the U.S. box office for a record 15 consecutive weeks from 19th of December, 97, to the April 2nd of 1998. Uh, the original carpet manufacturers were persuaded to make an 18,000-square-foot reproduction of an original weave that was on the ship. Man, I mean, they spared no expense for this movie. Uh, in the scene of Rose looking through the corridors for Jack, the water was uh, used was actually from the Pacific Ocean at the Baja California-Mexico set. The water was so cold that when Rose gasped when she first dives into the water, it was actually Kate Winslet's genuine reaction to the frigid ocean. Yeah, I imagine. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Once again, yeah. death of the ocean also means freezing cold and feeling like you have a thousand knives over your body, as said in the film. Um, the davits on the set um, were built by the same company that built the davits for the original RMS Titanic. The davits are essentially like the, the crane apparatus they used like um, 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 lower and raise um, objects to load into the, the, the ship and also, I believe, release the life raft vehicles. Pretty cool stuff there. Uh, a recent investigation showed that if the Titanic had hit the iceberg head-on, she would have survived. The da- though damaged, she would have not sunk and would have reached New York maybe a day or two late. Oh, wow. That's a really cool fact. But just yeah. the way that they hit it, it just tore up the whole underside, man. It's just crazy. It was a combination of so many things that led to uh, the worst-case scenario. There's also a couple of conspiracy theories about a fire that broke out in the warehouse or any construction that may have weakened the steel in that Pacific area where the iceberg struck. And uh, how much of uh, like that for like insurance claims from 100 years ago and how that could affect the actual Titanic itself and led to sinking. Uh, the ti- fascinating stuff there. Uh, the Titanic is the most Oscar-nominated film with 14 nominations not to win in any acting categories. Yeah, but still won 11 Oscar awards. Incredible. Yes. Um, the history of the fictional Harvey Ocean Diamond is based on the early history of the real-life Hope Diamond. Yeah, so that's a fun fact there. Have to do more research about the Hope Diamond to see the similarities, you know. Back and forth. Uh, the scene where Cal and Rose have a coffee and the scene where Cal has a tantrum and flips the table were ad-libbed by Billy Zane. Therefore, Kate Winslet's reactions were all natural. Oh, incredible stuff there. Uh, good, well, good stuff there to get the genuine reaction out of him. And once again, kind of correct the right scene. Yeah, once again, but also not endangering the actors, which is good. Um, Danny Nucci, the character who played Fa- the actor who played um, Fa- Fabrizio, um, stated that one of the hardest scenes in the film was, ironically, the cheerful I'm the king of the world scene. The bow section on which the scene takes place was a separate was a separate set piece. The rest of the ship wasn't there. It would be animated by a computer later. This meant that he and Leonardo DiCaprio had to be hoisted up on the top of the bow and were pretty much stuck up there for a long time. They didn't dare ask to be taken off for lunch or bathroom breaks out of fear of drawing the ire of director James Cameron. So the hard part was acting euphorically all the time while they were feeling hungry and desperately had to urinate between ticks. <laughs> I'd be going off the side of the Titanic. <laughs> that, that's what I think. Like hoist the bucket up here. Yeah. I'm going. 
Uh, the scene where Cal and Rose have a... Uh, we already talked about that. Hang on. Leonardo DiCaprio... I, I forgot to mark that one off. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet committed to the film even before the script was written on the basis only of a 165-page outline James Cameron had written. 165-page outline, Just, just freehanded. No you, problem at all. What is the longest outline you ever wrote for like a paper in school or anything? Probably never exceeded three pages. <laughs> True story. Just being honest, uh, um, you know, I, I, it, I wouldn't do anything if I didn't do it half-heartedly. <laughs> uh, the first Best Picture Academy Award winner to be produced, directed, written, and edited all by the same person, James Cameron. Uh, Gloria Stewart, uh, who played Old Rose, was the only person involved in the production of the film who was actually living in 1912. Wow. Oh yeah, because Gloria Stewart, yeah, she, um, she, yeah, lived her in 1912. She would have been about two years old when that Titanic actually sank. So. Yeah, so obviously we wouldn't know anything about it, but still, <laughs> she was alive. You're right. Uh, the engine master says, "All ahead, or all ahead, full." And we hear someone yell, "All ahead, full!" In the background, that is actually director James Cameron's voice. Cool. Um, same of James, some of James Horner's score was recycled from his score of the film Braveheart. For example, the music that plays right before the lookouts notice the iceberg is nearly identical to the music that plays right before the Battle of Falkirk. Huh. Interesting factor. Uh, the movie's line, I'm the king of the world, which was ad-libbed by Leonardo DiCaprio, was voted as the number four of the 100 greatest movie lines of all time by Premiere in 2007. The same was voted at, as the number 100 movie quote by the American Film Institute out of 100. So it came in dead last in that one, but it's still in the top 100. It's also, it, that is a reference that has transcended the film itself. You know, many people do that without knowing the origins of that, specifically in the Titanic. Interesting uh, Titanic survivor... Melvina Dean was asked if she would like to attend the premiere, but she refused, stating that watching A Night to Remember in 1958 was painful enough for her. That's fair enough. I, I you know, yeah, asking an 11 survivor to go watch an 11 film, like, no, probably not. Don't want to watch that. You know, asking right. a Holocaust survivor to watch a movie about the Holocaust, no, not going to do that. Right. <laughs> On the final night of shooting in Nova Scotia, one or more criminals mixed the dis. <laughs> The disassociative hallucinogen PCP, otherwise known as Angel Dust, into the clam chowder served to the cast and crew. Eighty people were taken ill, and more than fifty were hospitalized with hallucinations. When James Cameron realized what was happening, he forced himself to vomit before the drug took a full effect. Bill Paxton felt listless for two weeks after the incident. Although PCP's primary effects only last for a few hours, the drug itself could take eight or more days to completely metabolize out of the body. The culprits were never caught. <laughs> uh, it's terrible. It's Needless terrible. to say, Titanic was a trip. <laughs> was a trip. I forgot about that story until you just reminded me. of like, yeah, I remember you told this. Story. Like, like, and the fact that they were never caught blows my mind. it right into the clam chowder. Yeah, huh? absolutely crazy. Uh, during the part where Rose and Jack are at the bow of the ship when Rose says, I'm flying, Jack. The sunset was real and not CGI. James Cameron said that it was the perfect time to do that scene before the sunset goes away. Which is an amazing shot of the of the movie if you've seen the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um. During the scene where Jack greets Rose with a kiss on the hand before dinner, Jack smiling explains that he saw that movie in a Nickelodeon, which was an early way to view short films at the time. Uh, right. So uh, during the corset scene, it is originally Rose who is supposed to be tightening her mother's corset. However, James Cameron and the actresses uh, felt that the scene had much more of an effect of Rose being uh, in the corset, which I'd have to agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, a group of 150 core extras were hired and would stay with the picture throughout the entire production. They and other performers learned proper 1912 behavior in a three-hour course from Lynn Hockney, who was also the film's choreographer. Uh, Hockney also produced a video, Titanic Etiquette, a time traveler's guide, which was li- uh, then left playing continuously in the wardrobe department. <laughs> That's a great way of reinforcing the lessons for sure. Um, Billy Zane's character, Caleb Hockley, is named after two small towns in Ontario, Ontario where James spent often spent summer holidays as a boy. Yeah, so Billy Zane, oh, uh, Calden Hockley, name of, yeah, two towns, small towns. Um, despite Sven and Olaf losing a game of poker, their defeat was actually luck on their side because they had they boarded that Titanic, they would very likely have died during the sinking. Right. You hear a lot of stories about, about I think it was <coughs> at, um, J.P. Morgan, I think, um, he had tickets going there, and he ended up not going or something. So a lot more people could have died than did, uh, if or different people. Yeah. Uh, Kate Winslet was one of the few actors who didn't want to wear a wetsuit during the water scenes. As a result, she got hypothermia and nearly quit the production. However, James Cameron persuaded her to stay. So Kyle, we are closing in. 
Well, we're already over an hour right now, so I think we're going to uh, end up cutting the uh, first uh, of our anniversary show right now before we dive into the second one. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, it's it's definitely a uh, interesting movie to watch, but not only the movie to watch, but also the uh, documentaries you can watch uh, with James Cameron and actually the guy that founded the Titanic. Uh, I believe it was 1985 or somewhere in there. That's no. around there, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I got some more of that in my nose. So stay tuned for part two. And before we go, let's go ahead and drop in anybody that's sending anything into us. I think I have one right now. The last time I looked, but this is a couple days before I'm editing it. So. Here you go. Hey, everybody. I'm Brett with the Evil Never Dies podcast. And I'm Carl Todd with the Evil Never Dies podcast. And we wanted to wish Tragedy of Cinema four-year anniversary. Happy anniversary, everybody. Jimbo, Kyle, and Eric. You guys are awesome, man. Uh, Even though Carl's an ape hater. I don't hate apes. I hate talking apes, except for Chewbacca. Is Chewbacca an ape? Oh, no. Jimbo sort of looks like an ape when he's dressed up as Chewbacca. In his Chewbacca suit? Yeah. Maybe uh, so. Maybe so. Uh, but um, yeah, four years is an eternity in the podcast world, and you guys do an excellent job, and I enjoy um, everything y'all do. Uh, big inspiration to me. And thanks for all the help over the years and all the our our coalitions and um, more to come. I hope had fun working with you guys for sure. So, so happy anniversary and anything else you got to say there, Bubba? Just happy anniversary, guys! Thanks and for being about, there and uh, help. What about out. what about stay evil? Yeah, stay evil, guys. All right, thanks, guys. Um, well, Kyle, I think the first part of our anniversary episode is coming to close, and that's a wrap. And cut.